Peace Corps gives us a chance to show a side of our country which is too often submerged. Our desire to live in peace, our desire to be of help. There can be no greater service to our country and no source of pride more real than to be a member of the Peace Corps of the United States. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Lloyd, and I'm here to help tell the stories of current and returned Peace Corps volunteers. If you like what you hear today, be sure to connect with me over on Instagram at My Peace Corps Story, on Facebook by searching for My Peace Corps Story, and as always, over at MyPeaceCorpsStory.com. And if you like the show, be sure to leave a five-star review over on Apple Podcast or iTunes. And I have one more request for you all this week. Uh, if you have been listening to the show and you are a return Peace Corps volunteer, you've been listening to the show, reminiscing about your service, I want you to do something for me. I want you to share this episode or one of your favorite episodes with someone else, someone else who, who is an RPCV or someone else you think will find value in this show, or if you want to go above and beyond, share it with your local return Peace Corps volunteer group. Uh, I need your help to help get this podcast out to others so I have people continually interested in telling their stories uh, and reach a larger audience and, and help sort of meet my, my goals of telling at least one story from every single Peace Corps country. So if you've been enjoying the show, you're a return Peace Corps volunteer, or even if you're not a return Peace Corps volunteer, take a moment and share the show this week. And before we get into more Peace Corps stories, I would like to say a special thanks to Invested Interest. The My Peace Corps Story podcast is brought to you by Invested Interest. Invested Interest has made it easy for you to invest in your future without sacrificing your values. With access to over 400 socially responsible mutual funds, Invested Interest can build you a customized investment portfolio that screens for the social issues that are most important to you. Socially responsible investing doesn't have to sacrifice returns. Like all investments, the returns are never guaranteed, but socially responsible investing has outperformed the S&P 500 for the last 25 years. The listeners of the My Peace Core Story podcast will receive a $50 bonus when they sign up. Just visit investedinterests.com slash and use the promo code PeaceCore. Once again, that's investedinterests with an S dot com slash Peace Corps. And now on to what you all came here for another episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. Hope you enjoy. This is this is this is this is my my Peace Corps Peace Corps my Peace Corps my Peace Corps story story story. My name is Deborah Moskovitz and this is my Peace Corps story. Hey, Deborah, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm looking forward to talking to you today. Yeah, excited to talk uh, with you because uh, we we chatted just briefly right before really diving into the interview, uh, and I'm excited to get your story uh, from someone who served in the 90s. I was I was saying that I, I get a lot of volunteers, you know, definitely like in the 2000s, you know, people that have served in the past you know decade. Uh, I've got some volunteers that I've interviewed, return volunteers that were uh, the 60s and the 70s, but I feel the 80s and, and 90s, I don't get too many people uh, 
because they're not in that stage where maybe they're really reflecting as much uh, on their service. It's not the thing that happened forever ago. It's not the thing that just happened. Uh, so I'm excited to, to get your interview and your take on serving in Honduras in the 90s. Yes. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. Well, let's start off by letting everybody know just a little bit about yourself, uh, kind of uh, yourself, your background leading into the Peace Corps. Where were you coming from uh, in the United States and at what stage of your life when you entered into the Peace Corps? When I entered the Peace Corps, I had been graduated from Whitman College in uh, with a geology major for about one year. I went through the application process that next year. Um, and I went from when I was 23 to 25. And I okay. came back after that. And was Peace Corps something that you kind of knew about for several years leading up to service or one of those things? I'm graduating. Oh, no. What do I do? This is a funny story. Um, <laughs> I had never thought of joining the Peace Corps. Uh, and then suddenly I uh, was cleaning my room and I saw an ad for the Peace Corps. And I sat down and read it in 20 minutes. And I thought, oh, this is exactly what I want to do. <laughs> and so I, I started the application process. Unfortunately, this was right before I graduated. So I still had a year to go through the graduation, pro I mean, the application process. And so I did some uh, different jobs and stuff, temporary jobs during that time while I went through the application process and I got in. But it was funny. It was just a 20-minute snap decision that I made. Mm -hmm. And... When when you kind of made this decision, did you have any preconceived notions or maybe idea of where you wanted to serve in the Peace Corps? Did you think you were going to serve in a Spanish-speaking country? Did you have a background in Spanish or you pictured yourself off in Far East Asia? Where did you think you were going to end up? I thought, I hoped that I would be able to go to Africa. But um, some country in Africa, Africa is large. I was thinking more of like Central Africa or South Africa, um, I, although I don't think they had Peace Corps in South Africa, but so Central Africa. And uh, they told me, because I was allergic to sulfa drugs, that no, unfortunately, I was not going to be going to Africa. I had even started reviewing some of my French um, and thinking that's where I was going to go. And they, they said, no, we can't send you to Africa, but we can send you to Honduras and get back to us in three days. And I was just totally overwhelmed. I knew I wanted to go to Africa. I mean, I knew I wanted to go to the Peace Corps, and I had really very little idea of what Honduras was. I had taken a, few, a couple of years, actually, of uh, Spanish in high school. So I had something to go on. And so I, I said, well, I'm going to do it. So I sent 
the word that I would go and serve in Honduras, 1992 to 1994. (laughs) And what exactly were you doing as a volunteer in Honduras? I was working with farmers in soil conservation. So um, I lived in a village that was larger. It was a town on the El Salvadorian border. And I would walk about two hours, one to three hours, actually, every day to different locations where I would work with farmers. In the beginning, I was just trying to find farmers to work with. (laughs) But by the end, I found farmers that were very successful. We made terraces. We made uh, rock um, barriers, ditches, and uh, other dead barriers with dead organic material like um, corn husks. And um, we also, I, I took farmers Um, to see ideal farms. I had agricultural classes with them. Um, I taught them that it's better to, instead of put five seeds in a hole and plant far apart, that it was better to plant two seeds, one hole, and then next hole a little bit closer with two or three seeds. And so different planting uh, processes also. We also did compost piles. uh, And some of these were quite large and very good for the soil. I also talked about any other kind of uh, organic material that they could put into the soil to make it more uh, b- to make it better. And I also sold um, this bean that was a nitrogen fixing bean. You would um, plant it in with the corn and then it would green up your uh, corn quite a bit. And, and people were very enthusiastic. The only thing is that these uh, bean plants kind of grew like crazy, and so they they weren't really happy about that. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then I worked with a group of women slightly um, on uh, cooking with those beans so that they would be interested in actually using them in their lives, mm-hmm. making coffee and making bread were possibilities. Okay. Well, uh, I served also as a, as an ag volunteer, uh, 20, 20 years later, uh, but did uh-huh. a lot of, uh, did a lot of this, the same things, uh, in, right. in Burkina Faso. Did you, I did thought you, you might. Yeah. Did, did you, uh, did you have a background in agriculture? I didn't have a background in agriculture, but I had a background in geology and a lot of the people, there were in each group in Honduras, there was a volunteer that had a geology major, which was very interesting. So they kind of pulled from people who were in geology and there was some agriculture. There were some just people who 
had no background in either of those things as well. Um, but I had done, you know, some planting um, of uh, vegetables in the backyard. Um, I had also done, uh, so uh, they asked for a certain amount of volunteer hours. So I had actually gone to the Arboretum and worked mm -hmm. with uh, somebody, the Arboretum in San Francisco, and worked with somebody on classifying oaks and working with little seedlings and stuff. So I had some experience in that. Okay. Yeah, you weren't you weren't coming in completely yeah, cold. Yeah, I wasn't coming completely cold. No. Mm -hmm. And same with Spanish, since I had um, two years. But now they say that if you're going to be a Peace Corps volunteer in a Spanish-speaking country, you have to speak Spanish, which I think is very valid. But um, the person who came after me in my site didn't speak well either. So that was <laughs> that was just something that at that time they were not requiring. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now yeah. with sort of the, the language requirements that people get even starting in elementary school uh okay. learning learning spanish it's much easier to find those people right now since this is the the peace corps story podcast i i always love hearing stories of the the, the happy times the, the crazy adventures that volunteers uh, find <laughs> themselves in middle of the night side of the road uh, village celebrations yeah you have it do you have a favorite Peace Corps memory, or it could be a, a few just little anecdotes. Uh, so when, when I say favorite Peace Corps memory, is there anything that comes bubbling up in, in your mind? Well, um, I think as far as favorite Peace Corps story, I have my uh, field trip that I took with uh, farmers um, and how it juxtaposed something else that I had just done. I, this whole thing happened about two weeks. I um, applied for a um, USAID budget. Um, or I did a four-page budget proposal for USAID to get $1,200, which seems like nothing now. But at the time, it was quite a bit, especially in Limpira's. Um, to take my farmers on a, uh, a field trip to see a, an ideal farm. And then I took that to the Peace Corps office and had it uh, approved. And then we, um, after that, I had a little bit of time. And then I went to interpret for a medical brigade for a whole week and um, I was able to um, interpret quite well and I realized that I could speak Spanish pretty well at that point. Um, we saw a lot of uh, people who had bad headaches, dehydration and colds. That was kind of what a lot of people uh, complained about, but we also saw some horrible diseases that unfortunately nothing could be done about. But now 
um, there is a clinic in Concepcion and Camasca where they would be able to take care of a lot of those things. So that's really nice. So I did that for a week and in another neighboring town called Magdalena. And then I came back that day at 1 a.m. And I woke up at 6 a.m. from my field trip with my farmers. <laughs> and we all went to this um, ideal farm that was about an hour and a half away. And it was in Samani, uh, yeah, of Samani, which is also in, in near this town called Yamarangila. And the first thing that we did was, um, we, I had 13 farmers with me and we drank coffee and ate bread that was made of the nitrogen fixing soybean. Um, and then I uh, took my farmers over to the farmer named Don Gregorio, who had done his whole farm in Labranza Minima, which is this uh, cultivation of picked land. He had picked his whole land and he'd incorporated and he showed how to incorporate uh, organic material into that land. And then we had a, a very nice typical dinner, I mean, a typical lunch. Um, that the wives made, and we went uh, to hear a man talk about the human farm, and he talked about how important it was to share new information with others and help one another learn as much soil conservation as possible. Everyone came out of the lecture feeling optimistic and if the, as if they wanted to tell the world about what they had seen and learned. Um, this whole thing took about 13 hours. And when I got home at 7.15, I went to bed directly. <laughs> it was quite an incredible day or quite an incredible two weeks, really. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. And, and was this one of these things where you, so you, you took these farmers on this field trip, uh, and I, I did several projects where the project ended and, and I would have my community members constantly remind me or, oh, remember that time when we, when we saw this or we saw that or this is what I'm doing now. Did you get to see a lot of farmers then take that yeah, energy I, and start using it? I did. I did. They were very energized and suddenly I had tons of work and I got, I mean, I was already thin, but I got thinner because I was just working all the time <laughs> and and these uh, these farmers were very energized, and they they were they were very happy with what they had learned. And then they ended up learning more things from the, in an agricultural class that I brought, um, or two agricultural classes that I brought a specialist in from the capital for. And then there were three who were selected to go to a, uh, um, a special agricultural class out in the Zamorano School of Agriculture. And, and they all came back where they just were so thankful that they'd been. 
So it, that was just a wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with, with all the, the good that, that, that happens in Peace Corps, there are those times that uh, are very trying for, for one reason or another. Yeah. Uh, do you have a, a least favorite memory or one that you look back on that was a very trying time for you as a volunteer? Yes, um, there was. Um, I would say uh, I, I started service in September of 1992. And my, um, my most difficult month was January, um, or actually February, but it started in January. And so I, I was still trying to find farmers to work with and, and nobody was, you know, really working with me very well. So that was, that was uh, unfortunate. And then in January, it was my 24th birthday. So the day before my 24th birthday, I looked out my door and I saw a light where there shouldn't have been one. And I heard a huge commotion. There was no electricity then. Um, because electricity came in July of that year. Um, and I wondered what was happening down the street from my room. There was a huge fire. The store and house were on fire. There were no fire trucks or hoses. So the whole house and store went up in flames. I watched along with everyone else as people tried to put out the fire with buckets of water. We didn't know it, but my landlord's shoe store was being looted, as were others' houses. It was completely horrible chaos. Um, I had always had dreams of a fire burning down a house in my neighborhood or my house. And it seemed that that premonition was coming true halfway around the world. Um, so then my friends... Yesenia, Gloria, and Professor Alberta. They were a family, a really wonderful family. She had, uh, they had, or Professor Alberta had these five children, and then she had uh, adopted four of her nieces and nephews. And they helped me move into their house temporarily for the night. So this is the night before my birthday. There were nine children. Um, and so um, the next day I was there. I hadn't gotten much sleep. It was very scary. And um, I ended up moving back on my birthday, my 24th birthday. I ended up moving back to my room and finding that I'd lost all my money. Some of it was in traveler's checks, so I was able to get that back. And quite a few things, too, um, had been looted um, on the way uh, from me moving things. And I don't know how that happened, but I ended up with less stuff and less money. Um, and there were a lot of kids looking in my room, watching me, like this is the most exciting story they'd ever seen in their life, this 
young American woman moving back into her room. I, I was rather offended by that, but you know, that's the way it goes. Um, and everybody wants to watch what's going on with an, especially the new American women. Cause I'd only been there three months and, um, but then I was very lucky because I had these friends and they made bread for my birthday and they threw water over my head in the true conception form. I'm not exactly sure why they throw water over your head for your birthday. <laughs> I had it done both years. So this is not an anomaly. And it was actually a very nice uh, birthday celebration and, and I was very thankful for my friends, the Nalaska DSs, because they made it that way. And I, and I, um, now that we're back in contact, that's my favorite family that I, I talk to now. So, and uh, I posted that uh, that story up um, on Facebook, and I said, "Oh, I'm so sorry that you had to go through that." And oh, that was that was also so sad because somebody got burned and it was really a horrible, horrible experience. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I can see how that is trying for, for several different reasons. I mean, there's several things going on there. One, that initial time first at your site and, and struggling to, to get a, mm -hmm. a, a stronghold or just get a footing for, for working. That's hard enough. Right. And then you right. have this, this tragedy of, okay, then there's fire. So mm -hmm. sort of this fear that you had that now is actually being realized. And yeah, I never yeah. even thought about that. If there was, there was never a fire in my village, but yeah, there are no fire trucks, fire hydrants. No, it's just, no. buckets no. and people. So you've got that going it on. Is. It's then, very frightening. Then yeah. you have the, and the, then, and, the theft. Yeah. Yeah. That was very unfortunate. And, um, and and then my my luck didn't really change for about a month. Um, I ended up getting bitten by a dog and having to have the rabies series, even though that dog was okay. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't find out in time. Um, and then I also um, had lice that month, and I uh, was while I was getting the um, the two shots you get three shots in the beginning of training this is important mm -hmm. um for rabies and then two shots later on if you do get um bitten by a dog and so i since i gotten bitten by a dog i i wrote to them i said well this dog is fine and and, and they said nope you need to come in and um because it was the nurse's dog and the nurse's dog had been in, in another village. I didn't see exactly if he had gotten rabies or not. So they said, Nope, just cause it's vaccinated. That doesn't mean anything. Come in and get your vaccination. And so I had to get two shots and it was over the course of three days. So during that time, I was in another fire. <laughs> I mean, this is just crazy. But um, I was staying at this Peace Corps kind of 
hostel place mm-hmm. um, that was right across the street from the office. And um, it's called Cafe Allegro. And um, so one night that I was there, um, there was, it was, it was, I smelled something and um, I heard some noise and I thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to go out and see. Well, the doorknob was actually hot. And so I went around the other way and went out and we were able to get out, but somebody had started a fire in their room. So still don't know what happened really. But yeah, I was in two fires in three weeks. Two fires, uh, a birthday sandwich in there being bitten by a dog <laughs> that could have had and rabies, lice, didn't, yeah, lice <laughs> being burgled. Uh, but yeah. it's, it, and I stayed. It. <laughs> and you stayed. I mean, you, you just got it all out of the way, like right at the beginning? Uh, no. Well, <laughs> no. I mean, there were other other things that weren't so great. But yeah, I got it all out of the way. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Well, uh, I I definitely know uh, a few of the things you do not miss about your your service uh, and your time in Honduras, but what are some of the things that you do miss from from being a Peace Corps volunteer, from living and working in your community? Right. Okay. So um, I I missed my friends right away, um, and I did keep up with them for about four years, and then I kind of stopped um, keeping up with them. Um, and uh, then three years ago, I um, my husband was asking me more about it, and he said, well, why don't you try and um, connect with some of your friends? And I thought, immediately of my host country national friends, not of the Peace Corps volunteers. And I think he was thinking of, you know, maybe some of the Americans, but I, I reconnected with, um, um, a lot of my, uh, old friends and some of that was successful. Others were not. Um, but, um, I, I do, I, I will always miss my friends. And the thing is that now I'm a different person. And so it's hard, you know, I, I come in feeling a certain way, talking a certain way. And I just, I can't, I can't fit into certain friendships anymore because of how, how they were then and how I am now. And, um, so that is, that, um, that's been difficult, but it's been nice getting, getting back with people. And I, I do miss my, my, uh, friends. I also miss the simpleness of life. Um, I spent a lot of time writing letters and now I mean, even as a Peace Corps volunteer, I don't think that letters are that important. And the great thing is with letters, you have a whole, it's like an extra journal. I have a whole bunch of stories that I can pull on. Um, and it's, it's been wonderful going back and looking at those letters. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I would think that yeah, most volunteers now just just don't write letters like like you did. I maybe right. they do email, they even text. You know, I mean, you can you can yeah. text internationally and stuff, and it's just it's and Facebook and you know mm-hmm. all sorts of things. It's so yeah. very different. And I I kind of you know I'm 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 glad there was not Facebook then Mm -hmm. um i i think i enjoyed there were times when i didn't talk to my mother for two months we wrote back and forth she was away i was in town at the wrong time to make a, a phone call and um so we just didn't connect and um but we always wrote and there's something about writing that I do really miss writing letters. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I I wrote a handful of them, but I think it was more for the the nostalgia of it rather than uh-huh. the necessity. Right. Just, you know, like right. I'm a volunteer. I'm in this village. I should write a letter. But yeah, I also served yeah. at, at an interesting time where Facebook existed, but I didn't have the ability to access it in my village. And I would almost think that it would be harder to serve as a volunteer with Facebook because you yeah. always have, you always have one foot in America while trying to live this other life. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And I was so into the life there. I mean, I used to say, Oh, I was, I, I went Honduran, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, where I just became kind of one of them I felt in a way although in another way well I'll I'll get to that in another question (laughs) (laughs) well uh what what are some things that you you learned uh during during your Peace Corps service things that have have stayed with you or maybe things that you kind of learned and you you weren't able to to maintain because I know there's a lot of times that we have these uh, sort of revelations as we're going through something so impactful like this and the ways we think that we are going to change our life, maybe once we come back to the United States, but then life in the United States uh, wins out. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think the the most important thing that I learned there was that loneliness and boredom are okay and you can live through them. Even though I I had a lot of friends, a lot of people came and visited me. I even had some boyfriends and excitement. Um, I had a lot of time on my hands, and I that's when I journaled and I uh, wrote letters. I wrote something like eight letters a week. It seemed sometimes I didn't get all of them back, but I asked for for a lot of them back and I got a lot of them back which was really nice um and so I would do that I would listen to my shortwave radio um Christian Science Monitor and American um uh Voice of America and um I just learned that being by yourself is okay um, and, 
even though the people in the village couldn't believe that I lived by myself. I lived in a room that was connected to a house in a courtyard. And they couldn't believe that I lived alone. I mean, everybody lived in family units. And how, how could I be okay and, and feel safe all living alone? But I did, even though I wasn't always safe, um, being a, an American uh, young woman and a redhead. It, they definitely... It was a definitely somewhat dangerous situation for me. Um, I, but I did learn that being bored and being lonely, you can actually survive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I took that with me. I mean, I've been married for six and a half years, oh, 16 and a half years. Sorry. Um, I've been married for 16 and a half years, but um, sometimes even now I feel lonely. You know, if I'm going through thinking about things that people don't understand, you still feel lonely and it's okay. It's okay to be alone and feel lonely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think Peace Corps gives you an opportunity to explore that feeling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Re- really right. e- explore loneliness and, and understand, mm-hmm. as you said, yeah, it's not, it's not going to kill you. And it just kind of, it's, it is a, it is a state. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's not mm-hmm. good. It's not necessarily bad. It's just a, a state yeah. of being that, uh, you, you learn to, to exist in uh, when, when it comes about. Right. Yeah, and and I I think I think the biggest thing for me was, you know, sometimes I feel just so together with people, but there was just always that I'm an American and they're in Honduran. It's just too much of a difference. There's this, you know, I always felt like there was this kind of imaginary line between us, mm-hmm. and that was the the line of of loneliness. Mm-hmm. Was was there anything in particular that would kind of remind you like that? Cause I know for me, as you said, you know, you said that you went to Honduras and I, I would say that I went full village, you know, I dressed yeah. like them. <laughs> I ate like them. Oh wow. Uh, you know, I, I tried to go as much as possible and they were always wondering why the, this uh, American who they just assumed was uh, affluent right. was, was wearing sandals and looked probably most of the time more disheveled than they did. Uh, but I, I, I worked with farmers all day. Uh, but right. then there would be these little things that would come up that it would be like, oh, yeah, I I can never truly be one of you. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't specifically remember because it's been a long time. But um, oh, just just feeling like, you know, if I, if I were Honduran, I would be able to, and, um, get through this situation better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, um, yeah, just, just, just thinking about how to communicate between people, um, how to, talk to friends how sometimes I just 
felt like I just couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And then other days also I, I would wake up and especially in the beginning and I wouldn't go out all day just cause I just knew I couldn't talk. I knew I couldn't do anything. I just feel like I was broken that day. But then the next day I'd go out and I would have learned some stuff. I mean, like I could speak the language better the next day. Mm-hmm. It was very weird. It was very weird. It was like I'd take one step back and then I'd take two steps forward the next day. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I, I, I definitely resonate with, with, with that sentiment uh, 100%. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I, I've enjoyed uh, talking with you, learning about your experience, and also just seeing the the connections and the similarities of, of my service on a different continent 20 years uh, apart, but uh, a, a lot of similarities uh, which just tie volunteers together. That's why I love doing this show re- and reminding me of my service, but also helping other volunteers as they listen uh, remember little bits of their service. Do you, yeah. Do you have anything else that you would like to share with the listeners uh, of the podcast before we close out uh, this interview? Um, let's see. One of the other um, questions was about um, books mm-hmm. um, that I might have read while I was there. And I remember um, I my aunt and uncle sent me a book called Body and Soul, and it was about musician. And I had uh, thought that I would be a musician, but I I changed my mind. Um, and, um, so anyway, I did reading this book was just wonderful. I, I felt very happy while I read that book. And, um, so that, that would be one of my favorite care packages. Another one was, uh, my mother would send me clothes occasionally and also, um, she sent heart-shaped cookies for Valentine's Day, so that was nice. I remember that. And we also took two trips. I I showed her Honduras, and then we went the one Christmas and New Year's, and then the next uh, year we went to Costa Rica, and we saw Costa Rica together. So that was very nice. But overall, my feelings about Honduras, um, I still am very positive. Um, I, my feelings are mixed. It was a good and, and bad time. Um, I experienced many ups and downs, and some of the ups were higher than I've ever experienced again. But some of the lows were, too, so... That would be my the way I'm going to finish my interview. Well, that that is a, a perfect way to to wrap it up. Uh, but I can't let you go just yet uh, without asking okay. your favorite quote or local saying, uh, because I fell in love uh, w- with language and just those little idioms that become a part okay. of speaking a language within a place. Because even though you know, if you've learned Spanish, there is something to say with just the little things that come up in daily dialect. So do you have a favorite uh, quote or local saying 
uh, from your service that you would like to share? Well, I I think there there are probably a bunch that I can't really remember, but I do remember um, one saying that people were always saying, "We tranquilo. It's like it's very calm here. It's very safe here. It's um, tranquil." And um, that's how it was in Concepcion, except for a few times when I had some very uh, scary moments that really nobody knew about and, and nobody found out about until about three years ago either because I just didn't really think about them. And then suddenly I did. But other, other than that, it was way tranquilo. Well, thank you for sharing that, and thank you for sharing uh, just a little bit of of your Peace Corps story. Uh, as you know, mm-hmm. two years it's hard to to sum it up in a you know really? a, a forty minute interview. Uh, it's you know it's two mm-hmm. years of uh, life that is forever impactful. Uh, but thank you it for is. taking a, a little bit of time to share your story with us. Yes, well, thank you. I'm very happy to do it. And I'm glad that you have somebody from the 90s now. (laughs) And there you have it. Another episode of the My Peace Corps Story podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for taking a little time out of your day to spend it with me and Deborah uh, talking about her Peace Corps experience. If you found value in this show or found value in the past from a previous episode, please take a moment today and share it with someone anyone who you think might enjoy the show. Uh, Share it on Facebook, Instagram, uh, text it to somebody. Just let someone know that you've been listening to this podcast, you like it, and you think that they will find value in it. And if you've been finding value in it, do not forget to subscribe to the podcast so you get a new episode every single week when I release them. It has been a pleasure spending some time with you today. And until next time, remember... Every volunteer has a story. What's yours?